Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. So good to see you guys here today on this beautiful Sunday morning. You know, I am convinced that 35 degrees and raining is the worst weather on planet Earth. It just doesn't get any worse than that. If it's cold and snowing, you can go frolic, okay? If it's a little bit warmer than that, you can put on a big coat and go for a walk. But, but this cold and this wet, all the thing it's good for is laying around in your house and eating chicken wings. Thank goodness it's Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, somebody. Man, we are, I'll tell you what, tonight's a big, today's a big day, big night, big television event tonight. We're all excited about it tonight at, I think around 10, This Is Us comes back. And it's going to be a big episode, and so nobody wants to miss that. Make sure you're in front of your televisions and NBC. Now, I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I'm just going to tell you something about me tonight that you may hate, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you know right now. You know what? I hope the Patriots win. Come on. You guys can boo me if you want. I hope the Patriots win. I love Tom Brady. He's the greatest athlete of all time. I mean, athlete of all time. I mean, Michael Jordan wasn't as good. I'm talking Tom Brady. I want to see him get number six tonight, and I'm excited for the Super Bowl. And so now that I've alienated almost everybody, it, Robbie, our pastor Robbie actually told me this week that I was a bad person if I rooted for the Patriots today. And so I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. I'm excited. And so um, now that I've alienated everybody, let me tell you one more thing before I get into the message today. In just two weeks, we're going to be celebrating our second birthday as a church. Come on. That's good news. We're so excited. Um, it, it has been two years since we launched this church, and God has done so much, and we believe it's only the beginning. And so I, I can't wait to share with you uh, some vision for what we believe God's going to do this year. There are some huge things coming to the Gathering Church in 2018. I can't wait to tell you about it. My wife's going to be on stage with me, so you guys will get to know Rael a little bit. Um, we're going to introduce the staff to you. It's going to be a great Sunday. We're going to celebrate, do all kinds of special stuff to make it feel special. You are not going to want to miss it. So February 18th, make sure you mark your calendars. You're going to want to be here. Bring everybody. Bring your, your landlords, your neighbors, your friends, your family, your enemies. Bring them all. You're going to want to invite somebody. It's going to be a good Sunday, so we can't wait for that. Well, today, uh, we are in our second week of our series called Breaking Free. Breaking Free. I don't know why we haven't done a Queen cover yet in this series. I want to break free. I won't sing any more Queen for the rest of the year, I promise, okay? That's a promise I can't keep. Um, we are so excited about this series. This series hits one of our main purposes as a church. And so if you don't know this, if it's your first time here at The Gathering, we are a church that talks a lot about steps. We always want to make it clear to you what your next step is. We've put together a very simple, clear, spiritual pathway that is consistent with the pathway presented over and over and over again in Scripture. And we believe that if you can get on this pathway, if you can get in there, start taking one step after the other, you can live the life that God designed for you to live. He's designed you with purpose. He's given you dreams. He has dreams for you. He wants you to experience life and joy and all of it. And we believe that there's a simple path to get to that place. So first, we want you to know God. We don't want you to just come to church. We want you to experience God, to worship Him on a Sunday morning. Second thing, and this is what this whole series is around, we want you to find freedom. We want you to find freedom because we all come in bringing behind some things that we dragged in with us some hurts from our past, some mistakes that won't, won't stop coming back, some habits, some addictions, some pain, some, some issues in our emotional state, whatever it may be, we need freedom from a lot of different things. We believe that Jesus died to give you that freedom. And so we want you to find freedom at the gathering. This series has been about finding freedom. We believe that once we find freedom, that our vision is clear and we're able to discover our purpose and make a difference that serves others. And so, man, we are excited about this series because finding freedom is such a difficult part of this process and something that deserves a lot of attention so that we can find that real freedom that the Bible talks about. If you've got... Um, your Bibles with me today. Let's get started and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is kind of the focal passage 
for this series. Now, if you don't have one of these old book page paper Bibles with you, with leather binding in the whole nine yards, um, you can pull out your smart device, and on your smart device, there's a free app with no ads called the YouVersion Bible app. The YouVersion Bible app has any translation you could want to read. It's got all kinds of plans on it. If you don't have it on your phone already, you've got to get it on there. It's the most useful thing your smartphone can do. So now let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, verses 3 through 5, it says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We believe that Jesus has given us a supernatural ability to defeat strongholds in our life. We're talking about strongholds in this series. Now, if you don't know what a stronghold is, strongholds are those things that you just can't seem to put away. Those habits, those addictions, those hurts that you can't get away from. They're those things that you keep trying to beat, but they just keep feeling like they're too strong to overpower. They're those things that appear on those New Year's resolutions over and over and over again. We want to defeat these strongholds. A stronghold is a wall of lies built around your, your heart holding you captive to itself. A stronghold is a fortress of frustration in your mind that you just can't seem to break through. This series, we're going to talk about beating strongholds. It says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Last week, we set up the theology for beating strongholds. We talked about the truth about all these lies. These lies that your enemy puts in your mind. These lies, these pretensions, these arguments in your mind that the enemy constantly whispers into your ears to keep you a prisoner to these strongholds. We believe that Jesus has given you the key to walk out of this prison. We believe that Jesus can free you from these lies. We've just got to start to know his truth about us. We got to start to call the lies lies so that we can declare the truth of our Father. See, when we expose the lie, we defeat the liar. And so we want to expose these lies, these arguments, these pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. And so that's what we're doing in this series. That's what it's all about. That's where it's based out of that passage. Um, we're talking about strongholds. We set up the ground for it last week, so if you missed that, you can find it on our website. This week and next week, I want to talk about two very specific strongholds. I believe the most prevalent and the most damaging strongholds in our culture today. And that is this week, we're talking about addiction, and we'll get there in a minute. And next week, we're talking about sexual strongholds. We're going to talk about sexual sin and, and sexual strongholds and the, all the, the, the things, the lies that culture has fed to us that we're expected to accept and believe. And here's why we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it because everybody else is talking about it. We're going to talk about it because the media is talking about it. We're going to talk about it because celebrities are talking about it. We're going to talk about it because our friends and coworkers are talking about it. And there's been an expectation that the church shouldn't talk about it, that we should stay quiet in this area. But I'm telling you, that's not who we are at the gathering. And so we're going to talk about sexual strongholds next week. A little warning, it's definitely going to be PG-13. And so if you have kids that you bring into service, let me just go ahead and give you a warning for next week. We've got an incredible kids ministry downstairs. They're not being babysat. They're being invested in. They will have a great time down there if you will let them. And if you have kids that are middle school age or high school age uh, I, and you haven't had any kind of a conversation yet and you're bringing them next week, let me just go ahead and give you the, the advice to have that conversation on the car ride on the way here or things going to get real awkward on that car ride home, okay? <laughs> Isn't that a fun conversation to have? Every parent just gets excited about that day. I'll tell you all about mine next week. It was horrible. I can't wait. It was the worst ever. I can't wait to share that story with you next week. It'll be so much fun. But today, we're talking about addictions. Now, addictions, like any stronghold, are built on a lie. So today, we want to expose that lie so we can defeat that liar. We, we want to call that lie what it is. I want to talk about some real specific lies that we believe when we're in addiction. And I want you to believe by the end of this morning, my, my, my job, my, my goal today is to convince you that you can be free from these lies. 
My goal is to convince you that these addictions that have defined you for so long don't have to define you for another day. That's our goal here this morning. Now, now many of us have been touched by addiction. I mean, if I were to ask for a show of hands, I don't want to. Don't raise your hand. But if I ask for a show of hands for how many of us have had our lives or the lives of those around us wrecked by addiction, almost every single one of us, if not every one of us, should be raising our hands if we're honest. And then if I were to ask you how many of us are those addicts, I think we would be surprised at how many hands were raised around us. Addiction is everywhere. It's prevalent. Addiction is simply defined as anything that I do that I don't want to, but I won't stop doing it. Anything that I do that I don't want to, but I won't stop doing it. I used to smoke cigarettes. I've never admitted that out loud where my mom might hear before, so hopefully she doesn't call me later. And if she does, I'll pretend like I don't know what she's talking about. But I used to smoke cigarettes, and I, the last six months that I smoked cigarettes, I was miserable about smoking cigarettes. I hated it. I hated that I smoked them. I, I felt like I needed it, and I wanted it, and it calmed me down, and all my buddies did it, and it made sense for me, I think, like logistically. But I hated myself every time I went out to that smoke pit. Every time I lived on a ship, every time I walked out of the ship to go outside, is a context. I was in the Coast Guard. I didn't just like was a guy living on a ship. <laughs> every time I walked outside to have that smoke break, I hated myself for it. I just, all we would do, me and like three other guys would stand there and talk about quitting. We would all talk about how we need to quit. That was the cool thing to do. It was like, yeah, I'm going to quit. Yeah, me too, man. As soon as this patrol's over, I'm kicking the habit. Hey, man, can I get another one, though? Can I bum a smoke off of you? Because, you know, at one point you stop buying cigarettes, but you're still smoking just as many somehow because all your friends smoke cigarettes as well. This is addiction. This is how it works. It's how it operates. I've been addicted to other things as well in my life, some, some not so serious things. In fact, one time, Actually, I'm still really fighting freedom for this. I had a very serious addiction to looking at something on the internet. Yeah, you guessed it. Jeeps. Yeah. Jeeps, like the car. It's not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. I'm not being sneaky. No, seriously. I couldn't stop looking at Jeeps. And my wife, she doesn't think this is funny because it was hours. I would scroll and I just, I wanted to stop looking at these. I'm talking Cherokees, Wranglers, Grand Wagoneers. I couldn't stop scrolling that phone. I didn't want to do it anymore. I just wanted to put it down. I wanted to be satisfied with the Jeep in my driveway, but I couldn't stop. Just kept scrolling. Two, three hours would go by. It's a true story. <laughs> I've had serious addictions. I've had an addiction to spending. Did you know that can be an addiction? Spending money, wanting to just keep buying things to make you feel better about yourself. Addictions are hard to find freedom from. Some of us have really serious, visible addictions. Maybe you've got a, a, addictions to alcohol or opiates, things that wreck your life in clearly visible ways. Or maybe your addictions aren't as visible. Maybe it's something like anger. Did you know you can be addicted to an emotion? And anger is one of the worst. Your outbursts at people on the road, in the checkout line, at the grocery store, at work, to your family. They become an addiction for you that make you feel like you have power in a place where you feel powerless. Maybe your addiction is something like pornography, rampant, just everywhere, and you think you've hidden it, you think people don't know about it, but you think maybe it's not even really affecting you that much. It's affecting you, it's affecting your intimacy, and it's affecting your relationships. Maybe it's something not as visible like just an addiction to your phone. You just can't put your phone away. Every blank space in your day is filled with this little rectangle in your hands. Actually, this one is pretty visible because you phone addicts can't stop me. You're in the shower and that thing is out here just scrolling while you're washing your hair. You can't even see it anymore. You're just holding your phone all the time. <laughs> we are addicted to things. We, we, are, we are a culture of addiction. And it's not anything new, you know. We get in this headspace when we're an addict, that we're, we are alone in this, that, that nobody else is dealing with it the way that we are, that this is our battle to fight on our own, that, that this is unique to us, that people wouldn't understand, that the people in the church wouldn't understand, and our life group wouldn't understand, and our families wouldn't understand. We think that this is, this is something unique to us, but it's been happening since the day man walked out of the garden and into brokenness. Paul writes about it. He writes about the struggle 
that we feel when we're trapped in addiction. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 24, in some of the most vulnerable scripture ever written. Look at it with me. I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Does that speak to your heart? Although I want to do good, I know what the right thing is. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see this other law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Is this your struggle today? Is this your internal dialogue? Do you feel like you're constantly in this battle, this argument between what is right and what you know to be right and what is wrong but makes you feel good in that moment and you just can't seem to win? It feels like you will never be stronger than this addiction and it's getting to the place where like Paul, you're really beginning to hate yourself, to loathe who you are, to speak ill of yourself. Here's a few things about addiction, a few lies that it feeds into our lives. First, it becomes a part of my identity. It becomes a part of my identity. See, for many of us that struggle with addiction, it's hard for us to separate the addiction from our identity. We feel like this is who we are. You feel, yeah, this is who I am. I am an addict. I am a screw-up. I am a failure. I am the person that wrecks other people's lives and leaves my life in total disaster as a result. This is who I am. I am this alcoholic. I am this opiate addict. I am this porn addict. I am this person. It's who I am. And we believe it down in our bones. It becomes mixed in with our identity. But listen to me. You are not what you have done. You are as God sees you as. You are as God, even more than that, God doesn't just see you as you really are. He sees you as what you can become. You are a son or a daughter of the king and you are nothing else. This is not your identity. This addiction is not who you are. It is not all you will ever be. It is not deeply buried into your bones. It is a virus that can be killed. You are not this addiction. You may be an addict, but that is not who you are. You may be an alcoholic, but that is not who you are. You may struggle with your anger, but your anger does not define you. Maybe you say, Well, my dad was mean, and his granddad was mean, and that's just the kind of people we are. We're mean people. It's just genetic. That's not genetic. It's generational. Your sin is generational, and generational sin can be broken. That's the difference between genetic and generational. You can make it stop with you. Your children don't have to bear that cross. It can stop with you. It can end. Generational sin can end. You've got to believe it. This is not who you are. And if you are in love, listen, sidebar, if you are in love with somebody who is an addict, you need to know that's not who they are. That does not define them. That is not the center of their identity. It's not the piece that makes them who they are. It is not who they are. You know who they are. Second thing, when I try to quit but fail... I feel increasingly hopeless. When I try to quit but fail, I feel increasingly hopeless. Maybe you're the one that has tried before. You've done the techniques. You've gone to church. You've listened to somebody. You went to two meetings. You did the thing, and it just didn't work. You failed. It's hopeless. You can't be clean. This is in you. You still think it's your identity. This has been you from the beginning. Man, you don't know me. Man, I I started using when I was 10 years old. It's all I've ever known. There's no hope for me to be clean. There's no hope for me to be free from this. Who would I even be without the addiction? I haven't even seen that person before. I got my first substance when I was six years old. I don't know. This is a hopeless endeavor. Why would I even try to quit? I've tried it. It doesn't work. I've failed. Listen, you know that is a lie. 
That is a lie. You can be free. Jesus bled and died to give you freedom. He says, I have come to set the captives free. He can break every chain and you can be free, but it's going to require more work than you've put in before. Third thing, third thing, any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me. This is a lie. Any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me. We begin to believe that we are our addiction. We begin to feel we can never change it. And then we become defensive of it. People try to expose it to us, try to help us, try to say, I see this in you. And we lash out at them. We attack them. We, tell them. we speak angry words to them. We, we, uh, we say, you don't like me for who I am. This is me. You're coming after me. No, you don't care about me. You just want to change me for you. You're not here to help me get better. This is about what things look like in your household. You don't really care about me. You don't know me. This is, this is just a part of me. You don't, quit trying to fix me. I'm not need something that needs to be fixed. I am who I am. We become defensive of the thing that is robbing us of our life. Why would we defend the thing that is stealing our joy? Because we're believing a lie and we believe it's our identity and we feel hopeless and it makes us defensive. Stop defending the thing that is wrecking your life. Third thing, fourth thing, we start to feel that we begin to lose our life. I begin to lose my life. In other words, you feel that your addiction has gone past the point of no return. The point of no return. This has been your entire life. It's gone on forever. It's not going to change. I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. My family's already in shambles. I've been let go of too many jobs. Nobody will hire me because of my conviction. Nobody will, will see me for who I am because of all the things that I've done. I'm past the point of no return. My wake of damage is too large, and I can't be free of it. It's too late for me. Why even waste my time trying to do something so hard as walking away from it? Look in my eyes. There is no point of no return. There is nowhere you can go where your father won't pursue you. There is no distance you can travel too far for his grace to break you free. There is no amount, no crack you can hide in, no crevice you can crawl in that his blood can't flow into to offer you the life-changing freedom that he wants to give you. It's never too late. It is never too late. You cannot go too far. If your eyes are still open, if you still have breath in your lungs, it is not too late for you. I'm not even convinced that's too late. Did you know that our God doesn't even, it's not even impossible for him to bring people back from the dead? That over and over through scripture, death isn't even too far for God to reach you. Listen to me, there is no point of no return. Jesus was so passionate about this, he tells a parable specifically about this. In, in one of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 20, uh, Jesus is telling this story about these workers in a field. And this master hires these guys, and he hires the first guys in the beginning of the day and promises them a wage. And then he hires people all throughout the day, and he's, he's promising them the same wages. And he even hires, hires some people just before sunset, just before the end of the workday, and pays all of them the same wage when the day is through. Do you understand what he's trying to tell you? He starts to pay them, and the guys who got there first are getting grumpy about it. Because sometimes church people get grumpy when things aren't fair. Is that on? That's just being real, okay? And so these guys are getting grumpy about it. Look at verses 12 through 16. It says this. These, this is the grumpy guys. These who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work in the heat of the day. Jesus wants to make you equal. He doesn't want to make you a project. He doesn't want to fix you at the very end and just as a pity. No, he wants to make you equal in the eyes of God, in the church. Equal to those who born the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. This is the master speaking. I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same that I gave you. 
Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am so generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. It doesn't matter how late in the day it is. You get the same treatment. You get the same reward. It's not too late. There is no point of no return. You start following him today. You find freedom today. And you get the exact same reward as those kids and G kids right now who are going to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. It's the same. You are the same in the eyes of God. Last thing. Last lie is we believe that we ease the pain by getting our next fix. I ease the pain by getting my next fix. I ease the pain of this life. I ease the pain of the mistakes I've made. I ease the pain of the way I've hurt the people around me. I ease the pain of the fact that I've got nothing left. I ease the pain from the last fix with the next fix. Masking is not easing. But you know this truth. You know that's a lie. You keep doing it anyways. But you know that masking is not easing. You are masking your pain. And masking your pain will only create more pain. Paul keeps going in, in this passage in Romans chapter 7. Look at the rest of it with me. Romans chapter 7, 24 through 25. This is the message version. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there nobody who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Do you know this level of desperation? Have you felt, are you feeling this level of hopelessness in your life right now? Luckily, Paul doesn't stop there because he's a preacher and he's about to start preaching, okay? This is the good news. Here he goes. He says, is there anybody who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Those two words you need to sink into your heart. Can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Jesus has done something about that war within you. He's given you freedom from it. He's brought you abundant life, joy, peace, the things that you long for. He freely offers you. You can be free from this. You can break this stronghold down. In Jesus' name, you can do it. You can be free from it. Jesus Christ can and does. Nothing that you can do, no place that you can go is too far for him to reach you. Jesus Christ can and does, and you can be free from this. And maybe it's the shame that's kept you where you are. Let me release you of it. You don't have to bear that guilt and that shame for one more day. I want you to feel free of it. Here, in this place, with these people, you can be free of that guilt and that shame because this is a place where you don't have to put your church mask on before you get out of the car to come in here. You get to come in here and be exactly who you are. You get to struggle with exactly what you're struggling with. You get to hurt exactly where you're hurting. That's what the gathering is. That's what we do. You can come in here and be real and be vulnerable and be authentic and be around other people who are doing the same thing. That's what it's all about. In the very next verse after this, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 1, we, this is the very next thought that he has. Paul says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. You won't listen to me. Jesus is not here. He didn't die to condemn you. He didn't come into this earth to condemn it but that they might have everlasting life and have it in abundance. That's the words of Jesus. That's his promise for you. You've got to believe it. There's, condemn, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, the rest of the verse says, because Jesus, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He has set you free and you can be free. You can be free from this. There is freedom for you. You don't have to keep feeling it. There may be conviction. Maybe you're feeling conviction today because it always hurts to talk about the things we're trying to hide. But conviction is different than condemnation. Here's the difference. Conviction can lead to redemption. Condemnation leads to death. 
And redemption is just another word for being set back to your original purpose. You see, when the Spirit convicts you, His goal isn't to make you live in that conviction. It's to pull you out of that conviction into the purpose that He created you to live in. That's the difference. You can have that today. But listen, let's do this. You ready? Let's do this. We're going to have to lean into it. You're going to have to commit. You don't get clean. You don't break addictions by listening to the preacher. It doesn't happen that way. You don't get to just do one little thing here and there and be free from it. If you want to be free from it, you're going to have to get free from it. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to really give in. You're going to have to lean into everything we're asking you to do, and you're going to have to trust somebody. Can you do that today? i got three things that I want us to do. And if you'll do these three things, I believe you can start on the path to breaking free from these addictions that have defined you for far too long. First thing is this, put God first in every area of your life. Put God first in every area of your life. This is like obvious, right? Come on, pastor, give me something real. No, you don't get this one. I don't get this one on some days. Put God first in every area of your life. Every area. Don't put a single thing in your life above him. You've got this cavity inside of you. I believe that in the center of your spirit and your soul and your mind that there is this cavity, this, this throne in your heart that was made for God, created by Him for Him, that, that it's a place where He's made to dwell and live and that when you set God in this place, in the center of your life, when He's the first in everything, that you have, you have joy and abundance, that your life brings fruit, that you're a kinder person, that you have peace, that you wake up feeling victory. I feel like your life is in balance only when He sits on the throne of your heart. But when anything else finds its way onto that throne, it's idolatry. And addiction begins in idolatry. Idolatry is very simply giving something else in our life God's place. Could be a lot of different things. Could be your family. Could be these addictions. Could be pain. Could be hurts. Could be bitterness. Bitterness can take the center of your heart. In fact, it loves to. Could be a lot of different things. Could be your job. Could be money. But anything else, good or bad, placed in God's position in your life at the first place tips you off balance, tilts you, steers you off course, puts you in the wrong direction. You have got to put God first. This is even one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You can love other things, but not more than you love God. You've got to put him first. You can do this and practice very simple ways, very simple th- little shifts you can make that will help you to make this shift in your mind. First, I would just encourage you uh, to pray first. Pray first. Just pray first. About what? Just first. First. You know what? I, I've got a practice that is shaping me, that is changing me, that's really helping me to be a better person all day long, and I'm just giving God the first part of my day. The very first part of my day. In fact, just in the beginning, the first thoughts that go through my mind, I give in prayer. I spend a few minutes, and this isn't my prayer time. That's different. I want coffee before that. Okay, This is, this is a coffee-free prayer time. There's not a lot of words, a lot of grunts. God understands your grunts, okay? This is just a couple minutes just to say, God, I'm giving you the first part of my day today. I just worship you. I want to take my first thoughts today to worship you. God, it's too early to be getting out of this bed, but I worship you in it. I want to give you this day. I want to honor you today. I want to honor you in the way I lead my family today. I want to honor you in the way that I go to work today. I want to honor you today. I give it to you. Give him your first. Pray first. Pray first in every decision that you make. Don't go to Google first. Don't talk to to Wanda at work first. Give it God first. Pray first. Pray first about everything. I got to do this. I better pray first about it. Pray first. You start to pray first and it'll start to feel like, because you know what? The thing, the person and the thing that you do first at large moments in your life is the thing that you value the most. So if you lean on your family the most in hard times, in in deep decisions, in big moments, then your family is what you value the most. If it's your coworkers, it's your coworkers. If it's money, it's money. If, if If the first thing you do is count the money to make sure you can follow a dream, then you've got a little bit of a priority mix up. Give God your first. Second thing you can do is give first before you spend. Give before you spend. This principle of the tithe, this principle of giving God the very first of our money isn't just about obedience. It's not just about money. It's about making sure that the area of our hearts and in our lives that we are most likely 
to idolize, which is money. Money is the easiest idol for us to find, that we give that position to God. That before we write our budget, it's not about, you don't, tithing isn't writing your budget out and then whatever's left at the bottom you give to God. It doesn't work like that. Nope, tithing is the first 10%, and then you budget the 90. You give God this, you budget all this. You give God this first. God, this is yours. God, everything I have, I've gotten from you. You've provided for me. I will not idolize this money. I will not idolize my position. I will not idolize my, my comfort, God. I will give you this first. This is yours. I worship you with it. The rest I will be responsible with. That will help you in to reset your brain to put God first in your life. Uh, believe me, it works. Second thing, second thing that you got to do is say no to the flesh. Learn how to say no to the flesh. Another one that seems obvious, but if you're in addiction, you're not doing this. If you're in an addiction, you're not saying no to the flesh. You're saying yes, and you're saying yes often, and you're saying yes compulsively. You've got to learn how to say no to your flesh. This is a learned discipline. You're comprised of three parts. Your spirit, this is the part of you that is like God. Your soul, your emotional self, your mind and such, and your body. All three want to be in charge. All three fight to be in charge. Paul writes a lot about this war between the body and the mind and the soul. and He talks about it a lot because this is a serious thing. Our body is fighting to be in charge, and whatever we feed the most will win. The spirit needs to win. We've got to feed the spirit more than we feed anything else. We've got to learn how to say no to the other parts of ourselves, so that we can emphasize saying yes to the Spirit. You've got to learn how to sacrifice something. Addiction is very simply not being able to say no to something. And you've got to learn how to say no. And so maybe the addiction is not the best place to start. Maybe you've got to learn how to say no to the flesh in other areas and in other ways to build up your ability to say no. But you've got to track, you've got to practice it, and it's got to be practical. Verses six, uh, 12 through 14 of Romans chapter 6 says this, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't give your body the throne. Don't give what your body wants the throne because sometimes what your body wants is sinful, is damaging to you, is damaging to your relationship with God. Don't offer it that throne. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather instead offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. If we feed it the most, our sinful natures will win. Whatever you feed the most wins. This is why fasting is important. Fasting. We talked about fasting last week. I'm talking about it again this week because fasting teaches us how to say no to our flesh. It teaches us to say no to things that we think we need, that our body craves. And in doing so, it teaches us the discipline we need to no longer be held captive by our sinful nature. You've got to learn how to say no to things if you're going to say no to those addictions. Start by fasting. It's very simple. I used to have the wrong mindset about fasting. I thought that fasting was very simply just not eating for a period of time and taking those eating times to pray. That that was supposed to connect you to God deeper and that, that, it was, that was kind of the main idea was just to, just to, just to pray, to have more prayer time. And I, I didn't like it, to be honest. I didn't fast very much. I didn't like it because my thoughts are, well, I mean, I could pray while I'm eating a sandwich. You know, if this is just about praying more, I can clearly, I mean, it's, not, it's going to be muffled between the, the salami, but I can do it, okay? I can pray. That's not what fasting is about. In fact, Isaiah chapter 58, it attacks this very idea of ritual fasting. Fasting simply because we think we're supposed to. He says in this chapter that fasting isn't about ritual. It's about training your body this discipline that it needs to break free, to break chains of addiction. Verse 6 says this, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free and break every chain? Is that not the kind of fasting that I've asked for? God wants us to fast so that we can learn to break free from our strongholds. 
That's what fasting is about. I've been fasting from sugar for this past week. I've invited you guys to fast something with me that you're compelled towards over the course of this series. It has not been easy so far. I love candy and cookies. On Tuesday night, I was at Life Group, and one of the sweet girls in our Life Group brought in this delicious-looking chocolate chip cookies and set them down directly in front of me. And I had an internal struggle. I stared at him, you guys. I actually ended up putting some in a Ziploc bag to take home to put in my freezer for after this fast. It's a real deal. I'm compelled towards sweets. I am. Significantly, to the point where I can't even count for you the amount of times per day over the last week I've been had to train myself to say no to my flesh. And my belief is that if I do this practice regularly, that I will be so disciplined that it will be easy to say no to the things that would lead me to addiction. And I think you can do the same. Learn to say no to the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. That is strong language. It doesn't say that they've, that they've you know, tried really hard to put away that sinful nature. It doesn't say that they've kindly asked that sinful nature to leave. No, they're talking about a weapon of death. Listen, don't work on your addictions Kill them. This is the strongest language possible for a reason. Because whatever I starve, dies. It's time to starve the flesh. It's time to starve these addictions. You've got to stop feeding your addictions and start feeding the things that matter in your life. Feed the spirit. Starve the addictions. Whatever I starve, dies. It's time to learn how to say no to the flesh. Finally, last thing. Point number three, and this is the big one. This is it. Those last two things will help you a lot. They'll make a big difference for you. They really will. But they've got to they've go along with this third point because addiction is serious. And if you've been touched by serious addiction, you know it's nothing to play around with. It's no, it's no joke. It destroys lives. And so if you really want to be free from it, if, the, if you want this to be more than an inspiring message, if you want this to be a day of life change for you, you've got to lean into this third point. You've got to trust me. Point number three, go all in with Jesus. I'm talking all in. I, I mean, I know, I know, again, maybe it sounds corny. Pastor's up here telling you to go all in with Jesus. No, listen. If you've got addiction, you haven't gone all in yet. If you're fighting strongholds, you haven't gone all in yet. I don't know what you're holding back. I'm not, I don't know that. But I know that you haven't gone all in yet. And so my invitation is simple this morning. I'm inviting you to give him everything. Every, everything to go all in as deep as you can. To say yes to everything we ask you to do. I'm talking all in, guys. All in. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss a Sunday. Come. Be a part of it. Don't just come to church. Go to growth track. Discover the purpose that God gave you. Maybe you have forgotten that you have a purpose. You aren't just floating through this life. God has a dream for you. He's got a big dream for you. And it, you're, you're, the meaning of life is simple. It's to glorify God and serve others. And when you're doing those two things, you'll find greater satisfaction than you can find anywhere else in this life. I promise you because I've looked in most of those other places. You can't find it unless you discover your purpose and find freedom to get there. Go to Growth Track. Discover your purpose. Get on the dream team. Start living outside of yourself for once. Start serving somebody. Get in, in, in a place where you can serve your community with the gifts God gave you. Go all in. Go all in. Don't do it a little bit. Don't think about joining the dream team. Get out there and join the dream team today. I'm trying to help you find freedom. This isn't about us. It's not about what we get out of it. It's about what you get out of it. It's not about us gaining volunteers. It's about you gaining significance. Do it all. Go all in. Come to every Sunday, every service. Write down every practical point of application and go home and do it. I mean, really do it. Join a life group and get vulnerable. Take the mask off. Be who you are. Struggle with what you're struggling with openly. Let somebody else come next to you and hold you and walk forward through it with you. Finding freedom is a group activity. You don't have to do it alone. 
Wasn't it the best in school when a teacher would hand out a test and you thought, I can't do this by myself, and then they would say, go ahead and form a group. And you said, praise Jesus, hallelujah for this teacher. Amen, God, thank you. Deliverance is coming for me today. You just found the smartest person in that room, and they were your best friend for 10 minutes. Come on, somebody. Listen, it's a group activity. You get to join arms with somebody, and you got to do it. Listen, go all in. Do it. Don't just say you'll do it. Don't think about it. Don't look at all the groups and mull it over at home tonight. Join a group today. Go all in. Get an accountability. Find somebody at that group that you have chemistry with and say, help me beat my addictions. Partner with me in accountability. Meet with them. Make time for it. And listen, this is the big one too. You got to pray every day. Every single day. This is your lifeline. You got to pray like it's the only thing keeping you alive because on some days it might be. You, you, maybe you're afraid to approach the throne because you think God's got to be so disappointed in you, so angry with you, so fed up with you because of all the mistakes you've made, all the, all the lives you've wrecked around you. That is a lie from the devil. You only have a father who is proud of you, who desires you, who loves you, who dreams about a relationship with you. And if you want to know how far he would be willing to go to get that relationship, you've only got to turn your eyes to the cross. He wants you. He wants you first. Pray every single day. You've got to push. Pray until something happens. You've got to go all in. Listen to me. It, it, don't tell me that you don't have time for this. If you're trying to beat a stronghold, nothing else matters. Go all in. Pray every single day. Read God's promises every single day. Study his word. Put time in it. We've got on our website right now, there's a banner on the top on the first page. You can click and you can download and print out 40-something of God's promises. And you can just study them and let them sink into your heart. Let them put away the lies that you've built up and put the God's truth in its place. Let God's truth shape you. Let it change you. Let his promises tell you who you are. Don't let that addiction tell you who you are for one more day. Let his promises define you. Don't let your hang-ups define you. Let his promises define you. Don't let your mistakes define you for one more day because you are more than your mistakes. You are more than the people you've hurt. God gives you grace for that. You can find healing, but you have to go all in. You can't do it a little bit. You can't dip your toes in the water of this and be, expect to find freedom, to be free from this. You've got to go all the way. You've got to fast sometimes. You've got to do everything we're asking you to do. If you give me a year, it's 2018, it's the beginning. It's still, well, it's February now. Give me 2018. Do every single thing we ask you to do. Make an effort to be here as much as you can. Join every life group. Go to the freedom group. Work the curriculums. Do what people are asking you to do. Lean into accountability. Pray every day. Read God's word. And I promise you, if your life isn't completely changed, when December 31st rolls around, you can have all your money back. That's not true. But you're free from it. You don't have to try it anymore. Your life would be changed. Go all in. Now, this is still a place you can belong before you believe. And if you're here because you're exploring faith and you're not sure about everything we teach here, that's okay. That's okay. You really can belong before you believe. It's a safe place for you to be exactly who you are today. But don't get frustrated with us. Don't get frustrated with the church if that's not enough. If that's not doing it for you. Don't blame us if you're not experiencing the life change that you came here looking for. Because you can be a part of what we do and not believe that Jesus is God. But you won't experience his life-changing grace. You can join one of our life groups, not get vulnerable, not even believe everything the Bible says. But you won't be freed by its promises. If you want to break free, you've got to go all in. I mean all in. If you want to break free from addiction... You've got to give it everything. I will never forget. I was addicted to cigarettes. My anger, my depression, my bitterness were a drug for me. I used alcohol to drown out all my pain. I woke up when I was in port, grabbed the whiskey off my tabletop and started drowning that day and passed out somewhere that night. Woke up one time with my car on a median and I was asleep 10 feet away in a road. 
And one day, this all made sense to me. And I'll never forget, I was in the hull of a ship. We were underway, it was rocking. And I realized what Jesus had done for me. And I realized what this story meant for me. And I realized that there was no length that he would go to that he wouldn't go to to get me. I read, the, I read all the Old Testament in about a month. And then I got to the New Testament and I got to the story of the crucifixion. And I realized that all of this, this whole thing was about God's pursuit of me. That despite the people that I'd hurt, despite the pain that I'd created, despite the way that I had, the wake of damage I had left behind me, that he did all of that to come after me. And it changed me. But I made a promise that day. I said, God, you can have every single part of me from now on. Everything. You can have every ounce of me. I've given my life away to addiction. I will give everything that I gave to that addiction, I will give to you from this moment forward. Every morning, every day, every night, every relationship, every thought, every heart, feeling that I have, God, I will give it to you. I won't just do a little bit of what the pastor asked me to do. I will do everything. He asked me to start putting frogs in my shoes. I'm putting frogs in my shoes. I will do it. No extreme is too far. I'm going to lean into this, God. And my life changed forever. I broke free from those addictions. They're gone. I don't feel anything for them anymore. I broke free from depression. Not just depression that, man, I feel sad today. No, I put a gun to my head. And I pulled the trigger. And that thought, the desire to do that has not overcome me not one moment since that day. Listen to me. You can break free. But you've got to give it everything you've got. You've got to go all in. You can't dip your toes in the water. You've got to do a cannonball. Give it everything you've got and your life will change. You can be free from your addictions. You can. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the way that you change lives. God, I thank you for your redeeming grace on me that you would find someone as broken and as hurting and as empty as me and you would fill me with life, that you would fill me with meaning, God, that you would give me purpose, that you would set me back to the purpose you gave me when you made me. God, I ask that for every person in this room. God, we declare victory in Jesus' name over every stronghold in this room, God. We declare in Jesus' name, the enemy has no more power over those who, who have found you. He's got no more power. His lies, we declare victory over those lies. We declare the truth of your promises into every heart and mind in this room, God, that every addiction to alcohol, to opiates, to pornography, pills, to, to emotions, God, every addiction to anything that is keeping us from the purpose you gave us, we declare victory over it today, God. There is freedom for us. You gave it to us. You gave it to us, God. We claim it. And we will do anything you ask. Anything, anything, anything. No matter how big, no matter how scary, no matter how much of a change it is, we say we will do it, God. We commit ourselves to you. Change us, Father. Give us freedom from this. We want to break free. We want joy. We want victory, Lord. We ask for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And there is victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him some glory this morning. Give him the glory. He changes it.